Well, hi, everybody. It's time for Bible study. So this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true, and it's all that I need. You know, last week, we couldn't help but see that, well, life just takes a dive sometime, and, and Judah was battling guilt and shame, and, and he's probably just fed up with his family and all their shenanigans and deceits, and, and he just took off, and, and he was in such a dark place, and, you know, life does that. We get into dark places. I mean, circumstances are tough, and, and if we're not careful, we can let ourselves get into a place that is really not healthy spiritually or otherwise, but mainly spiritually. And, and so um, I thought I would just talk a minute about that, because today's lesson, it's such a contrast, and I think the key word is attitude. And we all have things happen. I mean, this this life. In fact, uh, Chuck Swindoll had, a, had a, a quote one time, and he said that we cannot, um, we cannot change the inevitable. I mean, that's just life. And then he said this, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% on how I react to it. And I do think there is a lot of truth to that because um, we saw how what happened to Judah when his attitude was was just so down and depressed and defeated. He, he kind of gave up. He didn't care. And and then we see in what where it took him. I mean, the extreme, you know, negativity that it took him. But um, always to God's grace and how how God worked um, in the heart of Tamar and Judah and how God can take our terrible darkness and put light into it when and if we're willing. So today, though, we see such a contrast in Joseph's life. Now, he too was, um, his life took a dive. I mean, he's used to being pampered by his father, and and now he is, he's been sold to Egypt, and, and he could have been sold to anyone. And his circumstances were probably more than what we could ever, ever imagine. And yet, he kept an attitude of, you know, like we said last week, God can see our heart and he can see our potential. And whether it's a soft heart, willing to be used and molded by him, and so um, I think we see that with Joseph, even though he has no idea what's going to happen. In fact, in the first question I asked, you know, or the second question um, I asked you is, do you think Joseph had any idea how God was working behind the scenes? And, and you know, do you, do you, do I know how God is working our lives behind the scenes? And no, we don't. We really don't know what and how he's doing it. But this is where trust and our faith comes in. That we know he knows us. He has a plan that we saw 
last week. Good, pleasing, and perfect. And are we willing to let him work in our lives? And in the first question, that one phrase, that one phrase that, that we keep reading about Joseph, and God was with him. And that's a fact. God was with Joseph, but he's with you. He's with me, even through the unknown. So now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Now Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, captain of the guard, kind of like the chief of police, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And like I said, he could have been sold to anyone, anywhere, and God had this all orchestrated perfectly. And the details of our God is something that we should never forget. He's always working, even even when we don't understand it. Remember that phrase. I know I'm going to. And God was with him. God is with me, even when I don't understand my life right now. And am I going to let my attitude be 90% of what's going on? That even though I can't control what's going on in my life, I can't change the inevitable, but I can choose how I'm going to react to it. So now in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now, did that kind of surprise you? It, it did me. It said when his master, when Potiphar, saw that the Lord, capital L, was with him, and the Lord gave him success at everything he did. There was something about that thought. He noticed and he recognized it was a higher power, not little L, Lord, but capital L, Lord. He knew Joseph was being, being controlled, and, and Joseph lived according to his Lord God. And it was noticeable. It said, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted him to everything he owned. And so from that time, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, or blessed Potiphar's household and all he owned. So it was, this was a really good relationship. But look at, look at um, Joseph's attitude. I noticed he is a servant. He is willing to be a servant. And I couldn't help 
But remember how Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you must learn to be a servant of all. Matthew 20, 26. And he also said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So right now, you can even see Joseph taking on the very characteristics of Jesus and how that servanthood, instead of um, bucking this whole thing, instead of, of being, I don't deserve this, it's not fair, and, and just being miserable, he is trusting the Lord. It's noticeable by his master and Everybody wins because this is what the Lord has called all of us to be servants. In fact, Jesus is our greatest mentor of that fact. And if we really do want to be great in God's kingdom, and and who doesn't, right? Then we have to be a servant of all. And it's like Joseph chose to have that kind of attitude, make the best of the situation, and trust that the Lord was with him, and that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Did you notice how much I brought of last week's lesson into this week's lesson? Because it is so intertwined. What kind of attitude do you have when life takes you on a downward spiral? And you don't know how it's going to turn out. Well, now it says that Joseph, um, it says the blessing of the Lord is on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph's in charge of everything. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. So I'm sure, I mean, for the Bible to tell us that, he really must have been one good-looking man. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. He refused. Now, I asked Tom, my husband Tom, I says, is this a, is this a strong temptation? You think this would have been a really strong one? And Tom says, without, without question. So this was not your ordinary temptation. Uh, this was one that was maybe very appealing to a, a young man, a good-looking man, a beautiful woman, and he refused. He refused. Now, you know, Joseph, think about it. He, has, he was 17 when he sold 
and he was 30 when he was promoted by Pharaoh. He's going to be in prison a few years, but this means he has been in this household for a long time. And he, he knows everything of Potiphar's household. He's been put in charge of everything. I mean, it's this, even to all of his belongings, only thing was except the food he ate. I mean, Potiphar chose his own food, but other than that, so he has been in a position of authority and he's been in control of many possessions and he has gained the trust of Potiphar. But this temptation came at him and like you and me, we have a choice when we have a temptation come our way. What are we going to do? Are we going to succumb to it because our flesh wants it so badly? Or are we going to say no? And it all has to do with our heart condition. Our heart condition is going to take over on how we are going to react even if it's something we want, but we know it's not right. Look how, look how Joseph says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted in my care. So he says to her, he trusts me, and I cannot, I cannot forfeit that trust just because maybe it's something I would like for my flesh. Verse 9, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. You don't belong to me. I'm not in charge of you. You are his wife. And then he goes on. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, it wasn't a matter of, oh, wonder if we get caught. Oh, I'd like to, but oh, if we get caught, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my job. I don't see any self in that, in that, in those words at all. I heard Joseph say, "You're not my wife. You're his. I have no claim on you, and I." cannot do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Oh, isn't that the way you want to wanna stand against temptation? How powerful is that when you can, you could 
honestly say, I know it's wrong. And it would hurt my Savior. And I will not sin against him. I will not do that. And oh, she spoke to Joseph day after day. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. I mean, he even was starting to probably avoid being near her or alone with her. But he, he knew she was relentless. She kept at him. And you know how that can be when someone kind of wears you down to finally just give in? But he didn't. Verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. Now, don't you think she had something to do with that? She probably had caught on that he was definitely avoiding her and making sure there were people around. And so she made it her, she made it, she made a way that there was a time when no one was around. And so then it says she caught him by his cloak. Boy, now she she is going after him. And she caught his arm and she grabbed his coat and said, come to bed with me, exclamation point. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. There are times when you have to simply refuse and say no and run. It's such a beautiful picture of how we can, we can deal with temptation. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. First that, I know, I've committed to memory. And it keeps coming to my mind. And maybe you can Look it up. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is too great. No temptation is too great. If you go to the Lord for your way of escape, and he will see to it you have a way out. Temptation is bigger than you and I. We could want it. I mean, we could want what that temptation is, is going to give us. We could want it so much. But if we know that it is not what we should do, Paul tells us, then go to the Lord. He's more powerful and the temptation, he's promised you and I that he will see to it that we have a way out. 
Now, this is what Joseph did. I mean, she went to Great Lakes, no one around, grab him by the coat. He has to do only one thing. God gave him a way out. Run. Run away from it. I'll give you the strength and the power to run. And he did. Now that is something that I don't want to forget. I have to simply refuse and claim God's spirits, God's spiritual power that's in me. And he promised he would give me a way out of this. And maybe it's as simple as running away from it. Well, when she saw that he had left, and he had left his coat in her hand, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us is, it, us to make sport of us. Oh, she, she, her pride must have been so hurt, and she was, she was holding his coat in her hand, and she thought, oh, I'm I am not going to take the fall for this. I'm not going to, I'm not, it's not going to be told to me that, that I did this to him, but he is going to pay for what I'm going to say he did to me. And she calls him the Hebrew, not even his name. He's been working there for years. And she says, Look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport out of us, to, to use us, to make fun of us, to mock us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. I'm thinking to myself, she is such a liar. She... She just made that up, and I'm sure it was so convincing. Of course it was, because in, in normal life, who would, refer, who would refuse Potiphar's wife if they had an opportunity to be with her? So she had a story. She kept his cloak beside her until came home and, and she told him this story that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me but as soon as I screamed for help he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house when his master heard the story his wife told him saying this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, have you ever been falsely accused of something? I mean, it's one thing to have someone say something negative against you, but 
to, to accuse you of something. That to me is a whole nother story. To, to have someone say deliberately they saw you do something that you did not do. I had that. It, it's, it's one of the worst feelings of all because you want to defend yourself. You, you want to you wanna say, of course not, that didn't happen. Your word, it's their word. And it, it's like, what good could come from this? I mean, my reputation is gonna is gonna go down. Did Joseph think I am ruined? I bet that went through his mind, and yet I keep thinking of that word. And even in my life now, as I look back, I think. Meanwhile, God was working. It looks hopeless. It looks like your name will be shattered. And yet, meanwhile, it's not true. God knows. You know. And meanwhile, God is working. And God was. You know, he could have, Joseph could have been killed for this. Even though it says that Potiphar was angry, he could have had him killed. I wonder if he thought for a split second if there could be, you know, maybe he knew his wife and thought, ah, I don't know if this whole story is the whole truth. But he, he had to do something and threw him in, in prison. But again, the Lord is working. The Lord has this plan that he is going to be using Joseph for. And he, he when he's working his plan, God allows good things to develop slowly a lot of times. And you think of how he works so hard at uh, Egyptian culture, uh, Egyptian language, their ways of business and their customs. And he has, he has not given up. He, he hasn't... Um, Believe that this is hopeless. There's always a glimmer of trust in Joseph's heart. And God sees it and he's working. This is the one thing that really affected me. Because when, when life seems to look hopeless, our situation not good. Do we have a glimmer of trust in our heart that God sees that we are trusting him and meanwhile he is working a plan? 
I just think Joseph here is so admirable. He's so, I, I love his character because he is experiencing the worst of life. The unknown, the unfair, the unjust. And yet he doesn't give up hope. Now he's in prison. But look again, while Joseph was there in prison, verse 21, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. See, the Lord was working, and he even used Joseph's character in the prison warden. And the prison warden could see, like Potiphar saw, there's something special. There wasn't give up attitude. There wasn't sit and sulk. Um, sit and, and feel miserable and make everyone miserable around me. No, instead, as prison warden saw something, that glimmer, that glimmer of hope, that no-give-up attitude. And so he, too, made Joseph responsible for everything in the prison. In fact, verse 23, the Lord paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. See, is the Lord that noticeable in your life? I ask myself that all the time. No, but we experience things. I mean, when I even just listen to myself sometimes, and I, I'm, I'm hearing myself talk, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh my goodness, can anything good come from this? But then I remember I can have a glimmer of hope in my heart and trust because God, meanwhile, God is working. And his will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, instead of sulking and feeling miserable, are we willing to grab onto that meanwhile? And, and can people see in us, even in the middle of it all, that we are trusting that God's plan is at work. We can all put ourselves in Joseph's shoes or Judah's shoes and decide how we are going to react when life takes us on the road of no control. This is just the way it is. Well, the story goes on, and it's priceless. Because there he sits. It's one thing to be in Potiphar's house, right? But 
now he's sitting in prison. Even though he was a servant in Papa's house, it still was a good life. And now he is sitting in prison. And now sometime later, we don't know how long he's been in there, cupbearer and the baker, king of Egypt, offended their master, king of Egypt. Pharaoh was so angry with these two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned him to Joseph, and he attended them. Now, remember, the warden has put Joseph in charge of the whole prison. And yet, Joseph is serving the cupbearer and the baker. That's what it says. He attended them. That servant's heart, that willingness to be molded and used by God. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them next morning, probably to serve them something, he saw they were dejected, sad. And so he asked, he asked them, he asked them, are your faces so sad today? Now, what, is that, what else does that tell you about Joseph? He takes the time. He is, he's got a compassionate heart. He cares for other prisoners who he's serving. He takes an interest in their lives. He's not sitting in a corner feeling sorry for himself. And then they said, we both had dreams. But there's no one to interpret. Now, Joseph, he, he, knows, he knows about dreams, right? He knows that God has, has used dreams in his own life. So he says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? So tell me your dreams. Tell me what, what, what kind of dream. Tell me what your dreams, what it was like. So Chief Cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. Soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup 
in its hand. This is what it means. Three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh, lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. So he was saying, I got a, I got a good interpretation for you. And, and Joseph told him the news. This is what's going to happen in three days. You're going to be restored back to your position. Verse 14, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me, Pharaoh, and get him and get me out of this place. Get me out of this prison. Now, maybe you thought, well, you know, maybe he, he really wasn't that um, content or he, he, he was still working the system. You know, remember me, don't, don't, you know, you one good favor deserves another. And I, I thought to myself, you know, he, he's still very human. And he's thinking this as an opportunity to say, I want out of here. And you've got a position that you can tell. I mean, he's not stupid. He's going to use this opportunity to say, help me. I don't think this was a belittling his character at all. Just a fact. I was forcibly carried off. He told his story. I was forcibly carried off by the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. I haven't done anything wrong. So if you could just do me that favor. Now, when the baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable in interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. So can't figure that out. I mean, I have this, I have these three baskets. And in the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds kept coming and eating them. This is what it means, Joseph said. Three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh Lift up off your head, Pharaoh, lift off your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh. Ooh, boy, that's not what the baker was wanting to hear, but I 
have to give Joseph credit. He was willing to deliver the truth, whether it was for deliverance or whether it was for judgment. He was going to tell the truth. Now, verse 20, on the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials, and he lifted up the heads, he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer, the chief baker, in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Those were hard words, weren't they? I mean, all he had to do was mention him. But he forgot. He forgot. That word forgot to me has such negative sensations. Forgot. That's why the Bible doesn't say that, that God forgets our sins. It says he remembers them no more once they've been forgiven. He remembers them no more. The word forgot means, well, have you ever been forgotten on a birthday or something? That means, well, wasn't I important enough for them to remember me? Forgot. He forgot. He was so consumed with his own, his own self and his own redemption there that he forgot. Joseph, guess it wasn't that important to him. But yet, God never forgets. He chooses to remember no more. There's a big difference. We're very important to him, and he doesn't want our sins to ever be coming in front of of his eyes again, so he chooses to remember them no more because they've been washed in the blood. You know, there are so many things in this lesson that just are so personal. I mean, through this whole time of Joseph in this, in this chapter, last two chapters, God is, is molding this man for what? Save the world from starvation. I mean, Joseph has had to learn the Egyptian ways. Like I said, language, culture, customs. He learned it through all these experiences. Because God had a plan. Because Joseph trusted, even though he didn't understand God was able to work in Joseph to the point that one day he would save the people of Israel. And that meant 
bringing Jesus into the world. And really then you could say salvation for the whole world. All that because Joseph was willing to trust. Remember what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 55? He wrote oh, the words of the Lord. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. What a good verse to remember with our natural human tendency is to just feel defeated and hopeless. But to remember the word meanwhile, God is at work. He's got plan. And his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And to watch Joseph handle temptation, again, another everyday life occurrence in our lives. Every day we face temptation. And to remember this story about, I cannot sin against God. My flesh may want to say yes, but I cannot. And the power that the Lord has given you and me, there is no temptation too great when we go to the Lord for our way of escape. He will see to it we have a way out. Are we willing to simply say no and run? So many biblical characters fell to temptation. I mean, even we've seen in Genesis, and we've seen them have to reap the results. Joseph, Daniel, were two that really knew how to handle temptation. But the ultimate, the ultimate mentor that we should always look to is Jesus. He was tempted in ways we can't even fathom. And yet, he used the power that was greater, and he stood the test. I wrote down, when I'm filled with Jesus, I can have the strength to resist temptation when I'm filled with Jesus. See, that's why it's so important that we stay connected to him in everyday life because every day we have the ups and the downs and we need to stay strong and steady with him. He's the only way I want to end with, you know, we've compared Joseph and Jesus before, but 
listen to this. An innocent man came into our prison and shared our condition. Say that to yourself and picture Jesus. An innocent man came into our prison and shared our condition. An innocent prisoner revealed God's saving message to us. Now, we see this with Joseph. We, we know that this is what the prisoners then said. An innocent man came in our prison and shared, and shared in our conditions, and, and an innocent prisoner revealed God's message to us. But, but if you and I would see Jesus in this, same thing. An innocent man came into our prison of sin and shared our condition. And then that innocent prisoner revealed to us the message of salvation. There's a way out. And an innocent prisoner was proved true in three days. Three days, Joseph's message came true. In three days, Jesus proved he was who he was. Oh, I love these beautiful comparisons. And in, in simple ways, in the Old Testament, reminding us of our Savior. Aren't you just loving this study? I know I am. It's it's really making me think. It's really going to the core of my soul and making me really take a look at simple things in my life that I don't always think about. But the, the details of life, meanwhile, God is working in you and me. Heavenly Father, this is such grace, how, how we have all this when we deserve nothing. Lord, we take our salvation through Jesus. We take it. We love it. We're grateful for it. But Lord, may this grace in our life then go forth and may we live our lives accordingly. So it's not just our salvation, but we live it out in our daily walk with you. Living in the meanwhile, believing the meanwhile, we don't get down and defeated and discouraged and no hope, but instead, we have that glimmer of light inside, that glimmer of trust that we do believe God's will is going forth and it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect in us. Father, thank you for our lesson today. We give you all the glory and may it truly transform us and make us think in Jesus' name, amen.